Today at the Easy Peasy Sourcing Podcast, we're going to talk about the biggest mistakes people make when importing products from China. And those are mistakes that are um, more on the general side. I have another episode um, that I'll link up in the show notes that's all about um, the mistakes that you can do when, when, you know, during the steps of sourcing a product. Today, we're actually just going to talk about uh, the general things that people get wrong when sourcing in China, the wrong attitude, how to change that, and um, how to actually see suppliers and, and working with suppliers. And I always feel like people um, see it more as, um, you know, like, this is what I want, and I want you to make it for me now. And people always have or often have a very wrong attitude when sourcing in China. You have to see it more like a partnership. And today's episode is all about how to avoid all of the mistakes when um, you import your product from China. Welcome to the Easy Peasy Sourcing Podcast. This is the framework to import, sell, and profit from your private label products. He is German expat, lives in China, and has a passion to help you create a thriving brand. Here is your host, Nils Alderp. During the time when I owned my sourcing agency in Shenzhen, China, I always encouraged people that were struggling to import their products. And there was always a very common theme and common mistakes people did. So um, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you ever, if you ever tried sourcing in China, maybe you realize that it can take a quite a lot of going back and forth with suppliers until you actually get answers to your questions. Sometimes it feels like we're getting drip fat and if you look at the sample pictures on Alibaba, they don't look anything like the samples you actually receive. And it's sometimes really, really hard and we get headaches. And um, the, one of the most common themes here is that we have to change our attitude when sourcing in China. So if you're ready, let's get into today's episode. Today we're speaking about the general mistakes people make. It's all about the attitude. It's all about how you see suppliers and uh, kind of how you go about the whole uh, thing about importing and sourcing from China. But before we go into all of the details and all of the kind of mistakes that you do at certain steps in your sourcing process, I want to talk about the major mistakes, the major things people get wrong when sourcing in China because it can hold you back. And I really don't want you to be held back from starting your own e-commerce business because it's such an exciting thing. And I also realized that you don't want to become a sourcing expert, right? There are sourcing experts out there. You don't have to be one yourself. You just want to source your product, get that out of the way so that you can finally launch your product and start making money online, right? That's what you really want. So let's just go over the basics and what mistakes you can make and how to avoid them when sourcing in China. Because here's the thing, and that's one of the biggest mistakes, is that people try to cut corners. And I get that it took a long time to find your product, and now you actually, you just want to get over the sourcing stuff, right? But the thing is, if you try to cut corners, for example, you, you send the supplier too many questions in one email, it will actually harm you because it will take much, much longer for the supplier to go back. They will just glance over all of your questions and just come back to one or two of them and won't go out in, in all detail. A much better approach is to add them on Skype and chat with them and really take your time. You have to be patient. You can't just, you know, send them five questions and then turn off Skype and check back tomorrow. You have to ask one question and wait for their answer and actually ask a few more follow-up questions to that one thing to 100% make sure that the supplier understood what you asked and to 100% make sure that you understood what the supplier answered. So it's a really common theme that people try to cut corners to save time, you know. But the problem is that if you're cutting the corners, 
it, the whole sourcing process will take so much longer and it leaves so much room for miscommunications and that will harm you if some things you communicate don't really arrive at the supplier and then the supplier makes your sample and sends it to you and then you wonder why the sample doesn't look like the one you want it to, right? So this is one of the mistakes that people make. Don't try to cut corners, take your time and be patient. The next mistake that I see people when contacting suppliers and asking too many questions of one thing is to not have a product inquiry sheet. A product inquiry sheet is basically one sheet with everything that your product needs, with all your changes, with a specification of your quality, with letting them know how you want the logo to be applied, how big you want the logo to be applied, um, with all of the things that your product need to have. You want to have different order quantities in there and all of this stuff that you need to know when inquiring for your product. And Actually, you can have my inquiry sheet for free. Just check the links below in the description. There's a link to my free web class. And when you join the web class, you get my free sheet just for signing up. The next mistake, and that's a really big one, is not to understand the Chinese culture. And I'm living in China now for, I don't know, six, seven years, and I don't even 100% understand everything. And I don't mean language-wise. I mean cultural-wise. The, the thing that you have to understand is that it's very, very different than sourcing your product in the Western world. Because if you see and um, if you kind of look at the people that work in Western trading companies or in manufacturing companies, most of the people that are there, how old are they? 40, 50, right? How long are they doing the jobs? Maybe for 20 years, maybe for 30? Have they studied or learned the job? Well, probably, right? In China, it's completely different. So in China, the people that work in the factories, they come from countryside China where they leave their hometown in younger age to work in a factory. The education isn't great. They just need that job. And they come into the cities where there are plenty of those jobs. And then they start working in the factory. And as long as they speak decent English and as long as they can, you know, sit there and, and know how to use a computer, that's the qualification. They do get a little bit of training inside of the of the company from their managers and kind of they show them how to do it and how to get you, you know, prices and how to how to increase their profit margins and all of this kind of stuff. But you're talking to someone very different than you would in another, you know, Western country. And you have to be aware of that. And I know we all want to have the benefits of sourcing in China, you know, we all want to have the best price and we want to have, you know, the fast delivery and, and we want to have all of that stuff. But we have to be willing to pay the price for that. And the price for that is that we have to be patient with the people. The people are, oftentimes the people that work in the factories have never ever seen your product before they worked in the factory. Well, if you do like a basketball, they've seen it, right? But if you do something like, uh, you know, silicone pads to put under the carpet or under rocks so that they don't move, people, ha people don't have rocks. They don't know that product, right? So you have to be aware of who you're talking to and you have to adjust your attitude towards that. Speak slowly, speak simple. You know, you have to make sure that they understand it and the culture is very, very different. People can lose face if you are too aggressive. Another thing is that people oftentimes have this attitude that they say, okay, I wanna source this product, this is what I want, you have to make it for me, right? And the thing is that you have to see it more than a partnership. If you developing a supply chain, which is what you do when you're, when you're finding a supplier, it is so important that you have a, a supply chain that is reliable, that you have a supplier that can make the product quality that you want. So don't go off chasing um, the, the cheapest price. Don't go off chasing the 
you know, don't go with the attitude of like, I want this, you have to make it for me. You have to go with the attitude of, I want this, can you make it possible? If not, what can we change on my design? What can we change on my ideas? How to make it easier for you to make my product? Let's work this out together. So you have to change your attitude and, and go from this kind of selfish want. And I get that you want to start, you want to start making money, right? But still as a selfish want, you have to go from that to working with a supplier. And also sometimes you have to adjust your expectations. Sometimes things don't work the way you want them. So if you want to have, if you want to order a hundred products and you want to make changes on your product, you want to have custom packaging and you want to print your logo on it. Well, that's not going to work. You're never going to get the best price on that. And the supplier is never going to be able to do that because they are making their money on volume. So if they have a 10% margin on their product, maybe they have a 20% margin on that product. If you know, that's a big, big margin for manufacturing already. Think about that. How much money do they actually make on your order of a hundred pieces? How much hassle is it for them to make samples, to put your logo on it, to create packaging, to source packaging from another supplier? How much hassle is that for them? And does it worth it for them? So don't get angry with them if they don't do it and rather, you know, scale down a little bit and make it simpler. Most of the time when people start the business, they think about, well, I have to compete in the market and my competitors uh, you know, they have a logo, so I need a logo. My competitors have packaging, so I need packaging. And that's absolutely not true. Because you have to start small. Eventually, when you're just starting out, you have to just, you know, get a few products. Maybe you order 100 products, but don't care about the logo. Don't care about changes on packaging and whatever. Because the main goal for you should just be to get it out and see how it works. Most of the time, to be honest, the very first products we put out, it doesn't work. Right. And if you're placing an order of a thousand pieces and you're going through the whole process of, you know, it can take months, it can take up to three, four months to get your product customized with the changes you want to. And if you go through all of that time and then you launch your product and then it doesn't work, well, what do you do? Right. But it can only take two or three weeks to get the product without changes. If the company has stock and 400 pieces, that's very likely you can just get it, put it up on Amazon, see how it works. The main thing is that you're not going to be competing on this main keywords that your, your big competitors are listed for, right? You, when, when you're just starting out, you probably want to go for those niche keywords, for longer keywords where there's not as big of competition. When you look at competition, uh, especially in the online world, you have to look at competition per keyword. You can't look at the general keyword and say, okay, these are my competitors. You have to look at the keywords that are a little bit more niche because that's where you start. Okay. You start competing at those niche keywords, those longer keywords for your product. So you're not starting to compete to compete on the keyword yoga mat. Okay. You compete on the keyword yoga mat for, um, I, I don't know. I'm not into yoga mats, right? But you get the point. You get yoga mats for, uh, or, or thin yoga mats, light yoga mats, uh, easy to carry yoga mats, those keywords, that's what you go for. So you have to have a look for those keywords if they're competitive. And it doesn't matter then if there's no logo on it. I mean, think about it. When you bought your last product on Amazon, did you really care that there was a logo on it from a company that you have never heard of? I'm not speaking about Nike and Adidas and whoever big brands that are out there. I'm speaking about no name brands that no one ever heard about. How much do you actually care about that? And how much does that influence your buying process? Rather, just get a small quantity, put it up, get really good reviews, have a really good product, and that's it. 
So I hope you liked today's episode. If you want to learn more about sourcing in China and the right steps of you know importing your product, head over to easypeasysourcing.com slash training to join a web class called How to Source My Private Label Product in China Without Getting Screwed by Alibaba Suppliers. It's completely free.